Christmas! Happy Christmas! Happy Christmas, everyone. You know, we never start these with any preamble about Christmas. We usually just get into it. But like, Amber, you're you're a big fan of the holiday. Do you wanna you wanna talk about Christmas for a little bit? Man, it's hard because Christmas is such a, a happy time for me, and I'm really sad as I'm recording this episode. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I fucking love Christmas. Um, I, I have loved Christmas for a long time. My love for Christmas began with the Muppet Christmas Carol, as it did with so many of us. Like, Christmas is, uh, like, like, I know there's all these trappings around it, and I know that we all have a bunch of baggage about it being, like, a commercialized holiday, because it is, right? And, uh, because, uh, it's, it's instilled in all of these, like, um, broader cultural mores, and, like, all of those things are true, um, and I, I sort of have my own Christmas, um, that's a little bit different than any of that, where my Christmas is about, like, goodwill towards mankind, and being nice to each other, and giving presents to people, and, um, like appreciating like community and being close to one another and like all of the good things that are important like fucking like goodwill towards man you know like all of the things that the ghost of Christmas present in the Muppet Christmas Carol tries to tell us about I, I don't know I'm a, I'm a holly I'm a holly bitch a jolly babe Christmas is the, se- the season of the spirit man all the yeah good <laughs> goodwill on earth and peace towards man isn't it it's just the time of year where we all collectively go hey you know what's really good being nice to people, being nice being to nice your to friends people. and it's neighbors. It's so good. We it's love being good. nice to people when we can. Pass it on. Obviously, you know, we want to acknowledge, you know, we are filthy SJWs and we know that other holidays exist, right? Um, we're recording this in the middle of Hanukkah. Um, uh, but we're both Christmas. We're both Christmas people. So this, you're listening to the podcast and we're doing a Christmas thing on the podcast and you're all going to have to be okay with that. We recognize all holidays. We simply celebrate Christmas. Devin, what do you what do you think about Christmas? What do you like about Christmas? Ah, Christmas is an odd one for me. I love it. Pretty it's it's not complicated. I have great feelings towards Christmas. It's just It's not complicated, he says convincingly. <laughs> convincingly. I'm sorry. Right, right before rolling into a butt. <laughs> but actually, um now Christmas was my grandma's holiday. And she was the one who put all of the work into it and kind of made sure that everything would happen. And then that like that was a thing she got from her great grandma. And so Christmas, when my great grandma and my grandma both passed away, like kind of the tradition and family meetups all kind of melted away. And I lost a lot of like the structure of like, you know, the, the traditions, the ceremony of it kind of got you know, just lost with family spreading out and doing their own things collectively in Christmas. And so it's like now as an adult i'm just kind of like well christmas is the time of year where i have an excuse to buy a bunch of things for my friends as opposed to like i'm gonna celebrate christmas eve on christmas with my mom and then i'm gonna go to my dad's side of the family and we're gonna do a big thing and it will be about me because i'm the first grandchild and then i'm gonna go to my great grandma's house and it's gonna be about seeing the family and everyone being in the same house and i don't have that but i have all of my friends whom i love and now have an excuse to buy a bunch of nice things for that they wouldn't get for themselves because that's that's the season of the spirit baby you give you give and through giving you get to feel really good that's right that's fucking right you get to build a fucking community you get to make your own family and traditions christmas rules Now that you've heard us talking about Christmas for four and a half minutes, hello everyone, welcome to Original Podcast Do Not Steal, your favorite Christmas podcast about Christmas. We are exclusively a Yule, a Yule pod. (laughs) Origin Yule podcast, oh that's terrible. Cut cut that, don't include that. (laughs) I was trying to put together like spotify and solstice and i i didn't even I, fuck it we're this is bad <laughs> these, are, these are bad <laughs> the island of misfit is... bits what's the podcast about how do we celebrate christmas on the Great pod question. on the podcast every week we celebrate christmas by taking a different franchise intellectual property uh, tv series movie whatever and we make an original character in that franchise as a way of exploring that franchise talking about what makes it interesting etc etc uh, my name is Amber Autumn, she, her. And I'm Prince Devin, he, him. And when we do a Christmas episode of the podcast, the bit is that Amber and I give each other gifts, the gift of an episode that we think they would like to cover. And it's my turn to gift give to Amber. And so, Amber, here's what I'm going to give you, buddy. 
my best my, my best pal in the whole wide world. I know what you're about. I I know things you like. Amber love it when horse I have girl. A lot of things I like. Amber love it when women. Amber love it when fucked up rat creature with too many heads. Where the fuck is this going? Amber love it when Arkham Horror the card game. Amber There's Lovett. no way you're actually combining all these things. Okay, oh, no, you're, just, I, you're just saying attributes yeah. of me. Okay, I'm, I'm just saying Got a it. bunch. Of, I'm just saying a bunch of shit. You. I like. really thought you were building up to whatever the franchise is. Oh, that'd have been fucking insane if I could combine all of those things. It's a kids on bikes episode. No, um, I was like, okay, horses and fucked up rat kings. There's something there, and like lesbians. There's something there, but like, where where the fuck is Arkham Horror the card game coming into all of this? Ooh, you make an Arkham Horror the card game OC that's like a like a centaur monster that has like a cellular cellular degenerative issue and it's like sprouting too many legs and it can't be with the woman we already did loves. an arkham files episode that was like that was like that was the eighth ever episode one. of the show <laughs> An episode it was really where... really early in season one too yeah. i think actually episode 10 i like wanted to wait i was like i was like this is such a big franchise i really want to wait on this i don't want to do it right out of the gate i want to give the podcast a little bit of time before i get there and then we we, we was like 10 episodes and i was like okay we've waited a good amount of time and now it's been like two years since then and we passed the 100 episodes mark and i'm like man we blew that one really early i really <laughs> we, we thought we were good but we weren't yet <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know how long this podcast was going to go for when we started it. To be honest with you, fair enough. So I've listed a bunch. What of are we things. talking about? I've listed a bunch of things you love. Uh, but what do you love the most? It's genre convention, and I'm not doing that today, Amber. You know what I'm going to give you? I'm going to give you some silly nonsense. We're doing a Swiss Army Man episode. Ba 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 You have to go through and post and make that a lot quieter because oh, I was really loud. God, you blew your mic out. I can feel it. I, <laughs> I know you fucking blew the mic out with that one. Oh boy. I'm sorry, everybody. Sorry, everybody. I just got pony. excited. Sorry, every pony. Um, uh, yeah, okay, we can get cursed on this episode then. I really appreciate that we are starting with um, a long discussion about love and caring for each other and then also doing a bunch of stupid shitty bits because that is a really an ideal setup for Swiss Army Man 2016 directed by Daniels. Obviously, I'm going to talk a lot. I'm very excited about Swiss Army Man. There was a period of um, like seven years when this was my favorite movie in the world. Um, and then Everything Everywhere All at Once came out. And I'm such a basic bitch. Uh, that became my new favorite movie in the world. Um, but I did know about Daniels before that. So that's my cool hipster street cred, I guess. Um, but obviously, I'm going to talk a lot. So um, you start... <laughs> Well, I set it up with silly bits and talking about community because my knowledge of Swiss Army Man is whenever Amber would talk and or tweet about it. And I was like, I think that's the vibe. I, I Wait, think have you not seen it? I haven't seen it. Devin, what the fuck? <laughs> you gotta watch Swiss Army Man. What are you doing? Give yourself a Christmas gift of watching Swiss Army Man 2016. God, okay. All right, I'm going to have to do some fucking legwork here. And I didn't prepare for this at all because that's part of how the Christmas episodes work is it's this kind of fun little like, oh, this is a thing I know a lot about, but I didn't think at all about it before this podcast went on air, which is always kind of fun about it. But okay, so uh, let's just start with Daniels. Daniels is a directorial duo consisting of Daniel Scheinert and Daniel Kwan. They write in a direct, um, they started in music videos. They've done several things that, um, you would know by they knew. They did the turn down for what music video that was them. And they have like a, a, a signature visual style. If you go back and watch the turn down for what music video, you can like see there's like a certain way the bodies move in that video, a, a certain set of like physical sensibilities that apply into their future projects. And they did a few like short films um i think interesting ball is is one of my favorite short films ever made i really recommend it it's on vimeo and it's like 12 minutes so um if you liked everything everywhere all at once you should watch interesting ball because i think everything everywhere all at once is very much a spiritual sequel to interesting ball which is just a little um vignette short film um that's sort of centered around this um, like red bouncing ball that bounces around and it causes like things to happen strange in people's lives. It causes strange and unusual things to happen wherever it bounces past. And that sort of gets used as a framing device to set up, or not a framing device, but like a an organizing device to um, uh, showcase a bunch of different 
um, uh, strange little short films that kind of congeal into a congeal cohere into um, like a larger thematic statement about there's a there's a film crit hulk uh, sorry to always reference film crit hulk but there's a film crit hulk article where he's talking about it he refers to it as a joyful discovery is what is what he calls that short film and i i i, I haven't found a better way of uh, describing it it's one of those things where i can't explain to you in words what it is trying to say because you know if you could explain in words what they're trying to say they would have just written an essay um but you can't so they had to make the short film and i think it really really works for that. I think it, it really, as much as it's an abstract idea, communicates it very well. Go pause the podcast, watch Interesting Ball, you'll get a much better sense of their sensibility and then come back. Okay? You've done that. You're back. Wonderful. So um, uh, from there, they launched their first feature film in 2016. It's called Swiss Army Man. Obviously, it was followed up by Everything Everywhere All at Once in 2022, which is a, like a huge deal. Everybody loves everything everywhere, um, but not as many people have seen Swiss Army Man. Didn't be become like a, a cultural phenomenon on the internet in the same way that Everything Everywhere did. Um, and I, I have a I have a twenty seven by forty inch poster of of Swiss Army Man hanging in my bathroom. Um, I think it's I think it's wonderful. I think um, if you have any affection for the sensibilities of the directors, you should go for it. So, a Swiss Army Man itself. Swiss Army Man is a, a movie about a guy named Hank. Um, and Hank is on a deserted island. Um, he's washed up there. And he, like, the first images we see of the movie are of him trying to kill himself. Um, presumably because he's washed up on this island and he's about to die of thirst if he doesn't kill, just do it himself. So he's just doing it himself. And as he does that, um, he sees a corpse washed up on the shore. And he goes up to the corpse to see, like, is there anything here that could spell a way off of this deserted island for me? And what he finds, um, basically, um, is that the corpse starts magically generating an insane amount of flatulence. Um, and the flatulence allows the corpse to, like, propel itself forward across the water so Hank can ride this corpse's farts way back to the shore. And that's, like, your introduction to the movie. That's, like, when they drop the title shot is, okay, he's riding a, a fart to safety and that's what we're doing with this movie um and like much of the rest of the movie continues in in the same way the first time i heard about this movie was hearing there was news out of sundance that people were going crazy about the farty boner corpse movie and yeah like that's what it is it's the farty boner corpse movie um and it also is fucking incredible and it becomes about this like journey that hank has with um uh, uh manny is what he names the corpse um uh and you know, you, you come to understand that Manny is like an, like a reflection of Hank's internalized, like, anxieties. You come to understand who Hank was and how he, like, understood his life before this situation. And as Hank tries to, like, explain things to this corpse, um, I, like, that becomes an illuminating way of like reflecting like life and society and the way that we think at the think about these things back to us because it's sort of um when you're telling these things to a corpse it sort of circumvents like all of our traditional like existing ideas about what all of these things mean and so if hank is trying to explain like what it means to live in the world what it means to be happy suddenly you have like this guy who um uh, isn't happy trying to explain what it means to be happy and from that you both understand like uh, uh, greater ideas about happiness and also you come to understand this guy in specific and what his baggage is um and the 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 movie as a whole like it's very funny and it also becomes eventually the sort of meditation on shame is like the central theme of the movie i would say is 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 it's about shame you know the the reason that it's farts the reason that it's boners it's all this like extremely bodily things that hank has to um express or has to like come to terms with in order to utilize this this corpse that like farts as a way of saving the day that has boners as a way of like like helping hank navigate like all of these extremely base bodily functions that like we think of as being embarrassing things and that Hank thinks of as being embarrassing things and having to like confront them directly 
um, ends up being, like, an extremely emotionally vulnerable thing to do. And, like, then that gets wrapped up in, like, a bunch of other parts of Hank's psychoses. This movie has a lot of gender in it. And I am not just saying that because I'm trans. Like, they're, like... Like, if you watch the movie, you will go, oh my god, there's a lot of gender in this movie. Um, because that's, like, a very personal thing that we all have to have a relationship with and all have to confront in different ways. And that, like, everybody has anxieties about, right? Um, and everybody has embarrassment about. And so um, it's one of those, like, base bodily things that you need to, like, think about and confront in the course of the, in the, course of the movie. Um, and the... The, the the discrepancy, I think, between these, like, high-minded ideas of, like, oh, shame and about society and about depression um, versus the, like, extremely base, low-class part of, uh, like, oh, it's fart jokes and it's boner jokes and it's pee-pee jokes, you know? Um, and, like, that discrepancy becomes, like, an important part of the text, right? Because Hank like, wants to think of himself as a, not necessarily as a more sophisticated person, but as, as a person who doesn't need to have a relationship with those kinds of, of baser elements, a person who, um, wants to learn to play the guitar, and a person who has all these aspirations for his life, and a person who, um, doesn't like to talk about masturbating with people because it's embarrassing to talk about masturbating with people. And in the course of this journey that Hank goes on, um, and this like confrontation he has with all of these ideas, he's like forced into all of these like boner jokes basically, right? And forced to confront the meaning in the boner jokes. And so the, the, the gulf between like the joke of farting boner corpse movie that cleans up at Sundance is a microcosm of the movie. Like, yeah, the point is that it's a Farting Boner Corpse movie and it's cleaning up at Sundance because Farting Boner Corpse stuff is bodily and it matters and it touches all of us and it is, like, like a huge part of humanity that we like to laugh at because it, it is funny and it's also, like, very personal and, and very um, uh, intimate. Like, all of that is, like, some of the ideas that the movie is floating around. I don't know if it's actually a good summation of why I like the movie. The reason that I like the movie is just that it is, like, really good. Like, the characters are really well realized. The soundtrack fucking slaps. Um, the emotional bits. I, like, I basically sob through the back half of this movie every single time I watch it. Like, the entire back. Like, it's amazing the percentage of this movie that I am in blubbering tears for. How do they do that? It's amazing that they do that. That's, that's Swiss Army Man in a nutshell to me. I think in terms of how would you make a character in this, it's actually sort of a difficult one because it's a very enclosed cast. There are not a lot of characters. You've got Hank, you know, the corpse, um, Manny, uh, you've got Mary Elizabeth Winstead, like, shows up kind of briefly towards the end, um, and her role is honestly less as a character and more as a, like, figure that, um, Hank has been projecting things onto the whole movie from a distance. Like, not in a way where the movie is doing a bad job, in the way that we're intentionally meant to understand that that's what Hank is doing through the movie. And, like, like there's a couple of other characters who briefly appear, but mostly, um, like, 95% of the movie is just Hank and Manny walking around through the woods, which makes making a character um, rather difficult. So, I don't know. That's a few hundred thousand words. Did you have anything that you wanted to say in response to any of that? Hmm. Okay, so it's a movie about shame uh and accepting that because the 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 lens of shame is one of just standard shit you can't help but do everybody farts and gets boners but society says bad there's a scene right at the beginning when um hank is trying to um uh, talk about poop to the corpse to manny and he says, um, uh, everybody poops. They wrote a book about it. And he writes, like, he, he makes a little model of the Everything Poops book. 
out of some, like, rubbish book he finds. And the book that he uses for it is the Bible, which, like, you're just watching and you're like, okay, it's a piece of trash that he's writing Everybody Poops on as, like, a little bit of a throwaway joke. But it's also, like, the thesis of the movie. They wrote Everybody Poops on the Bible. It's the... It's the... <laughs> It's on the it's the text it's the religious text of the movie everybody hoops. It's really funny. <laughs> so it does yeah you're right this sounds difficult to make a character and I guess we could do like a Becca thing and just talk about like shame vis-a-vis our bodies and how we've overcome it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we could get real personal with or, have or haven't overcome it or haven't <laughs> yeah. as some of us may have. <laughs> yeah which <laughs> that's an idea we don't have to get that personal on the easy breezy christmas episode <laughs> whatever i'm already sad like <laughs> so amber why are you what uh what about your body makes you fills you with shame oh uh, what fucking what doesn't man i gotta have some some slightly more organizing principle around this than just talk about what makes you ashamed about your body because otherwise i'm just gonna go on for 20 minutes i have there's a lot um and I need to feel like I'm like I'm doing it towards something. What's 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 the end goal of your life? What's your third act of ease of shame in your body? <laughs> Damn, sorry. Um, okay, going towards a goal. Um, well, hey, buddy, you're a. I don't know if you know this, but you're kind of like one of them. They're transgenders. I've heard that. I've heard that about myself. That's like a thing you had to discover, right? There's probably like a way you can turn that into a three-act structure of an OC. <laughs> I think like my my journey towards being trans is in some ways kind of an interesting story because it's a little bit unexpected, but it isn't like a very exciting story, I don't think. Like my like my deal um is I like like okay, to to fit it into the framework of the movie, um I I definitely like growing up didn't know that people could like their bodies like genuinely that it was possible for a person to like their bodies i just like assumed that nobody did and anybody who said they did was like uh, putting on a face or whatever um and like obviously i think yes it is true that people by and large have anxieties and insecurities about their bodies and that's an extremely normal thing to do um uh, i you know was one of them i very much grew up to be I, I learned how to be funny because I sure wasn't a I, I didn't look good as a boy because I didn't know how to take care of my body because I didn't know that it was possible to have a body that you enjoyed um uh, and then um at some point in college I learned that there were pills that you could take that could um like make your face into like a girl's face and I like the idea of that um because I you know I've had a lot of um uh, a lot of gender envy for women and girls for um, the, the the preceding 21 years of my life um, from a, from a really really young age you know I, did, I wouldn't have put a name to it but I definitely felt a lot of gender envy from a very young age and um, I, I learned that there were pills that could do that and so I went into an informed consent clinic and I got on uh, hormones sort of that exact day it was sort of unexpected I went in to, to do a consult to ask about it and um, then they wrote me a prescription, which I wasn't expecting, um, cause informed consent clinics are wonderful. And, um, then a few months after that, I kind of figured out that maybe I was trans, which is not the order that you're supposed to do those things in. You're really supposed to figure out you're trans first and then start taking the hormones. But I did it the other way around. And, um, then, um, the hormones totally fixed all of my body image issues and I was cured. Um, just kidding. Uh, they are honestly in some ways worse than ever. Um, which is like, I feel comfortable saying that because nobody listens to this podcast, right? And I think that it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like I get the kind it. of thing that could be a problem if, you know, it got out as like a major arguing point. I, I really do have this experience where, like, I wouldn't take it back in a million years. And I obviously still, um, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still taking the hormones. I'm still like doing all the stuff, um, it's been six years now. I'm still going. I also, there's sort of this experience where like, uh, like when something is sort of an idle fantasy that has no basis in reality and there's no way of doing it, it is sort of more bearable than if it's a thing that is like theoretically attainable, but which you are not doing as well as you would like to be doing. 
like preemptively just on the off chance that someone hears this and gets the wrong idea um uh, a transition is still good and uh you should still like uh, like trans healthcare should still be available to anybody and extremely accessible and all of those things and also human psychology is fucking complicated and like body image issues are extremely fucking complicated and sometimes making steps towards something makes the final goal feel more like frustratingly far away does that make sense have you have you had a thing like 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 okay we all like everybody's got some body image issues has that ever have you ever felt like a similar thing to that yeah i do go to the gym um so <laughs> i figured the gym would probably make an appearance here this is such a this is such an i go to the gym episode on my end but yeah it's um the reason you take swolfies or like the before and after thing for like here's my p90x thing it's it's because your eyes your brain can't be objective about your own body because you feel fucking weird about it and so like your eyes in a mirror can lie to you in a way photos are a little less difficult and those are like the purposes of those but like i <laughs> there's just two reasons i go to the gym one because i'm into plus size peeps and i'm trying to lift you and two i don't like the way my body looks and i want to change it there's there's this like rule of thumb and you know obviously with the thousand caveats i don't necessarily think you need to follow this but there's like a rule of thumb wherein like there's a certain degree of like a like past you on their journey or below you on their journey like your gym buddy of choice can be before it becomes like detrimental like if i like if i were to go to the gym with arnold schwarzenegger under the auspices of this theory like i'd quit because i'd just be like he's there fuck i'm never gonna get there <laughs> and it's frustrating forever because i know i know every step i have to take and i do all of those steps all the time and i and you don't see the change immediately and even like there there was a point where i was like super on my diet and i was working out like twice a day every day and i was like the the trimmest i've ever been and i was like i finally figured out like a, a schedule for me like we're getting buff was working and i was wearing fucking like like size like waist size 30 pants and like small white shirts and i was like i never thought this would happen to me and i'd still look at myself and be like i'm not happy with, <laughs> with any of this when is the part where i get happy about it yeah um uh i said yeah and then i was really hoping i was gonna have another more helpful thing to say afterwards <laughs> yes yeah, so sometimes you're like i'll have something and then you start and you're like ah, i shit no it's, it's just a, it fucking sucks man like yeah it's just it's like i said it as a joke where it's like ah, oh, the three x structure it's just not super applicable to like <laughs> there's like 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 and and you know obviously like hey everyone out there i'm fine like i i'm i'm way more okay with my body now that i've been in a while and i'm still going to the gym because there are goals of getting bigger that i want but like it's learning to love your body does not mean you are going to love it every day and it doesn't mean you're going to love everything about it every day it's it's fucking weird and your brain is dumb <laughs> your brain is mean to you and human psychology is a motherfucker man so i guess if i'm gonna take this back to um swiss army man um which i am uh then i think that the so here's can I can I have a thought real quick? Yeah, please. Uh, so the corpse represents like his internal shibits, right? I think what we need in our strange diatribe about our relationship to our bodies is like metaphorically, uh, estrogen helped you get the changes you wanted. And let's say creatine, a pre-workout supplement that's really good if you want to go to the gym. Uh, creatine is the thing that changes my body. So we need to, like, anthropomorphize a supplement who then the us of this movie would talk to about our feelings to our body. Does that make sense? Yes. Is that in so line? Let me, let me let me take a second and walk through... I'm going to I'm going to walk through your gym stuff um from the position of 
like imagining myself as Manny, and I'm gonna um, like ask you the kinds of questions that that Hank would be called upon to answer in Swiss Army Man, and we're gonna get some 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 real emotional shit out of you, and we're gonna put it on the internet for hashtag content on our Christmas episode. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> the season. Uh, why why do you go to the gym? It looks like a lot of work. It is a lot of work. I well. Okay, I, I was about to get into, like, changing the mindset of, like, well, the gym is something I enjoy, but why do I go to the gym? Uh, there is a very specific germination point of, like, my gym bro origin story, and uh, not gonna name the name, because I don't know if she'd like to be named on this podcast, but I'll say, Amber, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but uh, I went to pick her up, and my legs started to shake a bit. And she said, can you even do this? And I said in my brain, I will never be put in this position again in my life. <laughs> and I looked up at-home workout videos. I bought barbells. And eventually, I got a gym membership. And I just did a lot of heavy weights so I could lift heavy things. That's the origin of why I go to the gym and talk. <laughs> so you go to the gym because you want to pick up heavy women. <laughs> That's a that, that's a big part of it. As I have said many a times, the barbell hip thrust is the horniest exercise you can do. Why do you want to pick up heavy women? Oh wow, the second step. I I want to be, I want to be strong. I want to. I mean, the long short of it is we're gonna get to like. Well, I wanna I want to be desirable to people whom I desire. Uh, I, I would like to be a beefcake who is objectified at least once on the internet before I die. I want someone to make a fan cam of me and be like, that right there, that's a fine cut of man. Would that make you happy? In the... Mo God damn. <laughs> Holy shit. This is the movie. This is the movie this is that the it is. <laughs> this is what this movie is. I, it would make me as happy as like when I when I get a TikTok video that blows up and like for the first thirty seconds I'm like hell yeah and then like two days later I'm still getting notifications and I'm like well the fucking the part of my brain that releases serotonin has been burned out I have to chase this high again I I don't know though because that's such like a that's such a life goal um and that's different than like part of the reason TikTok is such a safe like artistic platform for me is because like when shit doesn't blow up it's whatever because it's like made to be disposable as opposed to like youtube and other things where i put a lot of time like this fucking podcast i put so much time and effort into this fucking thing and we get 12 listens and yeah it's a joke but fuck i'd like it if we had more um so i don't like would it make me happy yeah yeah it would but like happiness is fleeting and that's still something you'd have to work on past the initial boost of it right you like part of working on being happy is working on liking your body yeah and you think working out will make you like your body yeah i also generally enjoy it but i i do think um i when i <laughs> when i look at myself in the mirror i'm like you know if my arms matched the bigness of my legs because here's just a little behind the scenes info uh i recently have gone back to the gym because i hadn't been able to go for three years because like covid and then a bunch of other life stuff um and i got really overzealous on a bad day after work and i was like i'm gonna go train my arms real quick and i went to do tricep overhead extensions uh with i was training with my ego and not my head and that'll always fuck you up kids here's a real quick trick on, and sorry we're getting away from it, but I really want to get this out. Here's a real quick trick to know if the weight is heavy enough. It's can you pause that weight comfortably at every point for the motion? If you can't, drop the fucking weight. Drop the fucking weight. Trust me, training with your ego will get you hurt. And I thought I could power my way through bad form, and I couldn't. And the next thing I knew, I went from sitting on the <laughs> on the chair with the weights to being on the ground, and I couldn't move my arm for like 30 seconds, and I was freaking out and crying at the gym. Uh, <laughs> it blew my shoulder out. I haven't been able to train my upper body. So I've just been doing like legs for two months and I'm finally getting some like leg definition I'm like this rules but I often look at myself in the mirror and I'm like if my arms were this big I would I'd be happy <laughs> so you blew your muscles out um uh because you wanted to be stronger yeah one yeah 100 you're 100 I thought I've <laughs> I blew my shoulder out because I wanted to be stronger than I currently am that doesn't sound like it's a very successful way of being stronger 
that it's not. I fucked up. I <laughs> I did a bad thing, and you low and grow from the experience. Is this the whole movie? This is a fuck of a no, movie. I'm... <laughs> I'm, I'm, they're a little bit more concise with it than I'm able to be. I mean, they did, like, you know, write a script and revise that script and shit, right. as opposed to us live streaming it <laughs> all right now in one go. But, like, yeah, so I, I, I do think it sort of communicates a essential thing about the movie, right? You'll get, um, uh, there's this, um, there's this recurring bit in the movie where, um, so Hank doesn't, Hank doesn't masturbate. Um, he doesn't like to masturbate very much because, um, of some, like, fucked up shit that his mom said to him when he was a kid that, like, stayed with him, and he's got, like, hang-ups about it. There's, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be able to talk about this without giving away some important parts of the movie. The, the conclusion, I will say, that the movie sort of comes to, like, Hank comes to infer from the like the messages that he is you know getting out of manny by putting them into manny right in this reciprocal loop um and the, the message that he gets out of manny is basically uh like oh i as a corpse don't know too much about what masturbation feels like but i imagine it feels like the wind in your hair or riding the bus or um any other number of like wonderful experiences that um uh sound great because um uh I, I don't have a have a concept of what the outside world looks like, and um, I um, just think that Manny's or that Hank's mom would want him to be happy, you know. Um, and it's like this really kind of like obviously both very intimate and like a slightly gross of uh, like exchange to have, and uh, like also it's kind of this beautiful thing about like giving yourself happiness that happens at the level of like a character's real like sight like like psychic hang-ups um like on a really deep level so hopefully these questions have given you some sense of of that of the the level that the the movie gets to are are we creating our manny our like like another corpse or corpse like object to help work through these things on like the idea is that you want something or someone that is like functionally extremely innocent to the world but obviously that you can still talk about like it's not a child like like it's not a child it's an adult male corpse who you can talk to and that gives it like an air of naivete without it being like a like an inappropriate th you know what i mean without it feeling yeah you don't want to exploitative wanna, you don't want to be talking to to a child about how you can't jerk off because your mom said you'd go to hell or whatever right so yeah my thought would be we make a we're making a manny here uh something we get to therapize <laughs> we get to therapize that about our body issues so it needs to be wacky kind of gross but also very of the world because like the the text of like shame vis-a-vis -vis natural things your body does obviously the fact that it is a corpse like is text too right because we have a bunch of hang-ups oh, about sure, death yeah. even though it's just yeah you know you, you you see the sentence i'm gonna say everyone listening so if we are tackling shame about body vis-a-vis -vis changing it with some external factor what would be a good way to anthropomorphize that tell me how you feel about this you know how like post-surgery there's like bags of fat what if it was like a like a like a yeah like a sentient bag of human fat is that like is that <laughs> anything it's not nothing here's what i'm here's what i'm picturing then for you i am imagining um sort of in a, a little bit of an au version of swiss army man um, uh, the, the, the story that we have is about a man who is shipwrecked, um, wandering through the forest with a corpse. Um, and the, like, forest, uh, often seems impossibly sort of abstractly huge. Um, it, it goes on seemingly forever, um, far longer than uh, we would expect, like, a, like, a forest to go in, like, the, the, the Pacific Northwest, which is kind of where it seems like it probably is, I assume. I, 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 I am, I'm imagining 
an alternate version of the movie where we have, say, um, a, a man named Devin um, who is wandering through a like maybe like a like a junkyard or like where does where does industrial or like like bio waste go? Where would a a bag of human fat end up? And I, um, I don't actually know, but yeah, I get what you're saying. And it's it's an impossibly large abstract space that our character keeps wandering in to try to find his way out. And yeah, he finds this like bag of fat that he needs to take with him, and the bag of fat. Um, uh, I, I think communicates with him via the subtitles. Um, I think that we don't need to cast the fat. I don't think we give it like obnoxious cartoony eyes or anything like that. That's not really the tone of the thing. But I think that like communicating via subtitles. So we sort of get the sense that, you know, he's having a dialogue with the thing. Um, and you know, how conscious is the thing or not sort of ambiguous, um, uh, how is he receiving these messages? Don't worry about it. It's text on screen. You as the audience are reading it. We get to sort of do the same story in like a different setting with a different cast. Does that sound like it's the direction that we're trying to go with this? Yeah, that that all makes that all clicks to me is correct. So one of the first things I'm missing here then. So the reason he originally keeps Manny around is because Manny is useful. He's in a survival situation. He's trying to get out of there and Manny's farts carry him to freedom. Um, and then later, um, Manny's body like generates water. This is like the main um, a fantasy element of the movie is that Manny's body has special magical properties um, that help keep Hank alive. Um, and so I'm wondering what reason we could have to be keeping this bag of fat around. Can it provide some sort of sustenance? Like, I'm like, oh, I, I, who is not the character named Devin in this movie, am so hungry. And then the subtitles, hey, look over there. I'm not falling for that. Camera pans to over there, pans back. There's like a full fucking last supper meal. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm I'm hearing that. Let me let me one up you here, um, because I think this actually fits in really well with the movie in a way that they don't actually do it. Um, is that I think that our protagonist character needs to eat the bag of fat. I think that the bag of fat is like giving up parts of itself. Maybe giving tree style. Maybe it's just like infinitely regenerating. Um, I think either one is interesting in a different way. Um, but obviously that's like very gross to look at. Um, and very gross to think about, and that's, like, kind of part of it. It's not as... You don't want it to be, like, a sinister thing. It's not a horror movie. But, you know, you make it kind of... You make it kind of gross and kind of funny and kind of awkward. Yeah, it's not grotesque. It's just kind of like, ugh. Not a Saw movie, but that one movie where Jesse Eisenberg and I think Kristen Stewart make out, and they're both, like, covered in blood and shit. So, okay, so Manny is a reflection of Hank. That's the thing in that movie, is that Manny um, uh, shows Hank who he is back to him. And I think that our bag of fat, um, it sounds like it's doing something different, right? It's not a, it's not, it doesn't have a human face. Um, we're not projecting onto it in that way. Instead, we are consuming it. And as we go on and our character gets, like, closer to enlightenment and closer to, like, understanding uh, themself, uh, the, the bag starts to disappear. So do we, what, what are the bags? Are the bags is, or is the bag like representative of self-loathing in some way? Is the bag representative of self-ignorance? Yeah, I think it's representative of self-loathing. I, th I think that's, I think that's the way to go. So then the deal with the bag is that it's, like a sinister presence then right where 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 manny is like a, a positive presence that hank likes to have around this bag um is kind of its inverse the bag is is hostile the bag says things it like keeps our our protagonist sustained but it like spend it does that by um uh, feeding our protagonist a bunch of bad bullshit i was thinking maybe the bag of fat is more like less less sinister like less snide subtitles more cheeky 
more like a cat because I think the end because I think the end note of the movie is like well I'm always going to carry you around with me like you're not going away Ooh, yeah but anyways what was your thought no I like that because I I think it is important to the identity of the movie that Manny is not like an evil like force I think it, it matters to like the the tone and the spirit of the movie that Hank has someone with him who we as the audience like who like or like a, a who which we on the audience can onto which we can project uh, like positive feelings um and so I, I I think if you make the bag of fat feel evil it resonates in a different way so I think maybe instead what it is is the bag yeah not sinister but perhaps our character reads it as sinister for a while. And then you sort of get this slightly complicated take on like body image issues where if the bag is self-loathing and ultimately the movie is like, oh, we hate it, but we need to come to terms with it after a while, then that becomes about what? Like incorporating your like body loathing into a sense of like a like a more holistic or positive sense of self there's something here there's something here that's actually good i think what i zoned in on is you were like because it only communicates through text and you do like the classic there's no tone of voice over text messages so you can reread um, misread someone's intentions so like in act one and two there's a more sinister tone that is being read by the protagonist. But once you get to the third act, you you realize that it's not. That's just how that's just the baggage he was bringing to the fat speech bubbles. Uh, Ooh, and then yeah. you get to recontextualize all of the earlier dialogue and you see that it oh, was that's really good. helpful. I love that. We're cooking, babe, man. Fucking. We're cooking. This is jazz. Thanks, Dylan. Now I think about that a lot in reference to the podcast. I also think about that a lot in reference to the podcast. <laughs> so Manny is um, uh, named Manny, right? Which is like a very obvious name. He's a reflect. He's he's Manny. He represents man, um, or or this man exactly. So I, that's sort of the naming convention that we can go with here as we identify our our bag of fat. Hmm. On the nose, human name. Here's my thinking. Um, if this bag of fat is indicative of our protagonist's insecurities, then it seems to me that this bag of fat should basically um uh, be a woman, right? It seems like um that we should have it. Like, if this is about, um, I've been thinking about it about working out, but I can actually make this work for, for gender transition as well, obviously. Um, but just thinking about working out here. I, like, like, in our conversation that we had, a lot of, a lot of your feelings about it are all tied up in, um, like, like dating and hooking up, right? And in, like, women specifically as, like, a, like, wanting, um... Uh, the people who you're attracted to to be attracted to you and obviously you know we know that that does now apply to men but like the origins of this feeling come from women obviously that also you know if it's about gender transition then oh you have a <laughs> you have a voice that's a that's a woman's voice telling actually if it's about gender transition then our protagonist needs to be a woman and the and the bag needs to be a man um, but I think I think they do need to be we do need to have a, a cross-gendered cast here. I agree with everything you've said. The advantage of making her a woman um, is that women get to have like virtue names, you know, like we could name her, I don't know, diligence or whatever. Come up with something particularly germane to the situation. And honestly, I think that that's your department is like what? is the like virtue that you are like like feeling like you're not living up to and how could we turn that into a woman's name uh i don't like this but the first one that popped up to i don't think it's i don't think it's applicable but the first one that came to mind was chastity um let me think about it more than not at all 
Um, uh, speaking of names that are neither chastity nor temperance, what if we, um, uh, what if we went with composure? All right, so we've got composure, the bag of fat. We'll come up with a better the in post. So the way that Manny um, I, I causes Hank to realize things is because uh, Manny um, is a corpse and doesn't know anything. And so if Hank wants to um, talk to things about Manny, he feels this need to explain things to Manny. And it's like through the, the naivete that 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 like meaning is gleaned um do we think it's like a similar process like what is the process of talking to composure feel like what is the what is the what is the dialogue like in the subtitles and also if composure is is or appears to be sentience to us the audience what is composure's experience of the world which is to say was composure sitting here waiting for someone to pick her up or was she um, like like born into existence the moment our protagonist picks her up? Mm. I think born into existence when Protag picks up um, because it's a, a personalized story and that feels more like you're manifesting the baggage you're about to deal with over the course of 90 minutes to me. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think that that works a lot. I like that a lot. And then you get to have the moment where like the protagonist um, uh, starts to eat some of her and the subtitles go, ow. And our protagonist like freaks out and goes, did you just talk? And the subtitle goes, no. Um, <laughs> and yeah. So yeah. Wherein does composure's curiosity stem from? I think yeah, to me, it makes sense that there's kind of like an innocent, like, brought to the life by interaction with Protag. So it's kind of like, ah, Jack Skellington, what's this? And then Protag must talk. Man, this motherfucker's really going to be doing some acting over the course of this movie. <laughs> this is a one-man show, yeah. So I think she absolutely has that naivete. And also, um, like, every time she speaks, she's really good at honing in on all of the stuff that he's embarrassed about. And that's like a lot of what the experience, and that's why he doesn't like her for a lot of it, and why it seems like unpleasant, and why he kind of wants to be rid of her for a lot of it. Is she spends a lot of time talking about the 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 things that our protagonist is insecure about, which is to say, um, uh, like his physical ability to get them out of places. Right? They'll come across like a, a like a like a gateway that they need to get through. Like a there's like a an, an iron grate. Um, and he needs to lift up the grate, but he's, like, not strong enough to lift up the grate. And ultimately, he needs to, like, find some workaround where they have to, like, walk a really long way around it. Um, and she talks about how, um, uh, couldn't you just open that grate? And he goes, no, um, I wasn't strong enough to lift up the grate. And she goes, I thought you said that people could become stronger. And he goes, yeah, but it takes some time to become stronger. She goes, oh, and you didn't have time before, before you got stuck here? And he goes, no, I had lots of time before. I just, I wanted to spend it doing other things. And, you know, that's sort of a, that's sort of a thing. Like, that's the, that's the reason that a lot of her dialogue feels a little more hostile in the early part before you, before you have the full, under, the full picture. Yeah. So what else do you need? Because this is the this is the movie you know most about. What what uh what are the key ingredients missing before you? Oh well, you need we also need Chekhov's bullshit. But what are the key ingredients you need to feel like complete for this OC? Not that much more. I think I think I want to figure out the Chekhov's bullshit. This is a good opportunity for one of the weird ones too, because um it'll support some of the weird ones. Okay, hear me out on this one. Yeah. 12 Rules of Life by Jordan B. Peterson. Alright, go on. I'm intrigued. So, yeah. Our character um, is in a dump, both literally, geographically, and as like emotionally. And they just need to clean their room. And they need to clean their room. And I think, like, he finds composure stuck to this book, right? And um, maybe it's even, like, attached to her for part of the journey. And you get to make, like, a couple of, uh, like, little jokes about it, right? Um, they don't have, like, a... The, the Daniels, they don't necessarily have, like, a history of doing this kind of, like, a, a cute 
political commentary thing, but it, it wouldn't necessarily feel out of place to me to have um, a, a, a little running gag about it. You know, Everything Everywhere All at Once has that, like, absolutely story of a girl keeps turning up repeatedly for no reason. So it's not like pop culture references are, are out of bounds for them. Is 12 Rules of Life is, like, a self-help book, right? And I think you even have, like, this character um, uh, potentially being more invested in the book than in composure. Like, maybe he even picks her up originally because he's trying to get at the book. I think that, uh, like, eventually we get to see, like, um, composure releases her, like, after he eats enough of her, she releases her grip on the book, and the book drops. And he doesn't, like, pick up the book because at some point um, he doesn't need the book anymore. Or he does pick up the book and then he only drops it at the at the, the act turn when he, like, comes to understand what composure has been doing for him the whole time. Something along those lines. Yeah, I'm digging this. I'm going to see if I can yes and you, as is the nature of the podcast. Um, It's jazz. It's jazz, baby. Notes gone unsaid and some things of that nature. So the thing about uh, 12 Rules of Life by Jordan B. Peterson is the thing about like most self-help books is they have to be uh, too broad to be specific enough to help you deal with your things. But the thesis statement of if books could kill a podcast, I think you should all listen to it. It's pretty good. Uh, but the thesis statement they've run into whilst reviewing these you know, dime a dozen, there's a word for it, when you're airport books, like self-help airport books, is like people who are fans of them, epso facto after it, even if like realized book was written kind of by shitty person, the thing they kind of realized is the thing they needed at that moment was just the feeling of someone there to care. So I think, like you said, I don't know that the Daniels are like, making political commentary but that's like a big buzzy thing that would get eyes on it and i think it's less about the specifics of jordan b peterson more about the specifics of like a self-help book and those ideas and realizing that kind of the thing you needed when you picked this book up was just like the feeling of someone there um well our pro tag has it and that's that's what they realize and that's how they realize that like composure has been helping them the whole movie that's you... so good i love that yeah because then like that's a reason our character is like so invested in it because they want to he wants to be better and then um uh yeah as you say at some point he realizes that like composure and by extension now himself has been like the person who cares for him um and that that you know that's the, that's the moment to drop the book we did it, guys. We. <laughs> I think that's a really good use of 12 Rules for Life by Jordan B. Peterson. I really didn't know where the fuck we were going to make that one happen, and I wouldn't have bet in a million years it would be the Swiss Army Man episode, but... <laughs> But I, I really, really like it here. Oh, I'm so happy. With, I'm so much more. I, I was just like, oh, yeah, this will this will just be an item we pick for someone who's like an asshole. Um, <laughs> but we did a better job. But it's like actually that. way more interesting than that. Like, it actually gets to the psychology of the character. Ah, fucking... We did it. We fucking... Do we... Wait, do we have to ship it? Is that... I don't... Because this, like, character is thinly veiled us, and I don't... We don't got it. We can we can skip the I ship it for this one. Sure. <laughs> In which case, one fun fact of piece is just fine. Okay, cool. Here's my fun fact, is that, like, on set, composure, whatever they used for, like, to synthesize how fat in a bag would like be is kind of like warm and there's a problem of like people end up taking like naps on composure and kind of like mess up the continuity of shots and so there has to be like this whole thing where it's like okay no one else is allowed to sleep on composure we can't we got we, we're, we're still making a thing here guys we gotta <laughs> stop stop napping on my co-star that's funny the bag that composure is in is like a worn plastic bag um, with like a like a smiling like a cartoon lady face you know like a smiley face but you know with long hair on it so you know it's a girl and it like says thank you on it and like that's the face of this character for most of it is like the plastic bag with the little face on it and inside is just like a bag of fat and that everyone is a sewed sign offs at the end 
sign-offs at the end. Uh, thank you all for listening to this very special Christmas episode of Original Podcast Do Not Steal. My name has been Amber Autumn, she, her. I've been Prince Devin, he, him, and this is going to be an episode we never listen back to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Um, please feel free to give us a like, a comment, a review, a share, and head by our merch store um, where we will be selling properly weighted dumbbells. <laughs> and speaking of proper form i shall not get in the proper form of saying join us next week when amber tries in vain to get us to talk about gem and the holograms because we'll be continuing the christmas special merry christmas everybody oh ho 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 oh, did you hear that devin is that whoa it's santa whoa is, uh, uh, do you hear and he's and he's kissing my mom <laughs> Santa's Bye. fucking my mom! <laughs> <laughs>